The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Guess what? You're listening to Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Right here on Radio South, 96.4, and Coast Access Radio Capity. Also on iTunes and Spotify. Or you can just stream us on accessmedia.nz. Check out our Facebook page. Just search Grinding Years. First up, listen to this.
Grinding Gears with Pete. And Aaron. Radio South of 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. First up, well, climate change plans and what it actually means for Kiwi motorists. Yep, the government unveiled its emissions reduction plan with the aim of, well, yeah, reducing emissions and hitting New Zealand's emission budgets. Yeah, the plan will have implications across multiple industries in Aotearoa, but here's uh, what it actually means for um, us, the Kiwi motorists. Mm. Well, the government wants at least 30% of the light vehicle fleet, so your ordinary passenger cars, to be zero emissions by 2035. And it wants people to drive 20% less by that year, too. It means people living in cities and living closer together will, yeah, should be using public transport more. Yeah, they have also raised uh, their ambitions for cutting emissions from freight transport. Uh, this target will be reduced. Uh, emissions by 35% by 2035. Uh, the government has slightly lowered its sights when it comes to reducing emissions intensity of uh, transport fuel, so uh, diesel. Yeah, uh, this target has lowered slightly uh, to reduce emissions by 10% by uh, 2035. Freaking hydrogen by then. Yeah. And Cummins Diesel's already developing it, so fingers crossed it won't be too far away. But one of the biggest targets, and one thing that was missing from the draft emissions plan the government put out for consultation last year, is to set a target of 50% final energy consumption. This will be mostly coming from renewable sources by, again, 2035. Yeah, so far the government has set targets for renewable electricity generation 100% by 2030, and expanding that target to include all energy is a big step. Yeah, well, yeah, well uh, just like the roads, well, let's just hope they're actually up for it. Yeah, and hopefully they're a bit cheaper too. The plan reaffirms Labour's policy of banning new fossil fuel electricity generation, which should have happened years ago. It also includes a proposal to ban or effectively ban the importing of any kind of polluting cars. Yeah, by next year, the government has plans to set a maximum CO2 emissions level for new cars. The, the limit would either ban the import of those cars or force people importing the vehicles to pay a heavy penalty for the privilege because, yep, money. Um, they also want it in place by next year. The government, and uh, namely the new PM, extended the half-price public uh, transport fares in the plan, which is good relief for the bus lane. They also, uh, they also did commit to having a fully zero-emissions public transport by 2035. Yeah, they will also allocate $568 million from the Climate Emergency Response Fund, or the CERF, to help with low-income New Zealanders to buy electric vehicles or hybrids. Uh, people on low incomes will be able to trade in their polluting vehicles and receive money to upgrade to an electric vehicle or a hybrid. Yeah. The funding pays for an initial trial of 2,500 vehicles. That's tagged at 15.9 a year. That's $15.9 million a year for the next two years before increasing to $242 million. In 2024 to 25, we'll see how that works out. Right? Yeah, but switching to uh, Wakikotahi now, the old NZTA, um, and lower speed limits have been called dangerous by a wire rapper businessman after a bad crash. But, uh, of course, uh, yeah, 
they disagree. Well, Chris Gollins, who owns a real estate company, arrived at the scene of the Clearville uh, crash shortly after it occurred last Monday afternoon. Yeah, he told the Herald it was the usual road accident chaos with emergency services on site, distraught people on the roadside. He also mentioned it appeared two vehicles had collided head-on. happened about 200 metres from the end of a new temporary speed limit put in place by Wife Cote. That's yep, part of an effort to lower the road tool. He claims this is an incredibly dangerous decision, stating Wife Cote has incre- uh, created an incredibly dangerous situation for the roads on the wire upper. This is where they already imposed the street res- speed restrictions uh, and they're threatening other roads with it. Yeah, but both Waikikotahi and the police told the Herald uh, a thorough investigation must be carried out before any conclusions can be drawn about what caused the crash. Yeah, which in actual fact killed one and injured three. Mm, well, a witness told the Wairarapa Times it appeared one of the vehicles had drifted across the centre line before the collision. Which, well, awfully tragic, you know, yeah, it would have still been the same at the lower proposed speed. Yeah, Gollins told the Herald he believes the crash lies on the shoulders of the roading agency, saying responsibility lies with Waikikotahi for trying to unnecessarily change the habit of a lifetime. The road toll is not brought around by speed. It's brought around about by um, careless, unconfident and um, distracted driving. As well, lowering the speed limits causes drivers to be confused, unsure what speed they're travelling at or supposed to be travelling at, and the slower drivers are more likely to be distracted as well as unsure on how to gauge the speed of other vehicles. Yeah, not to be biased, however, a 2022 study by environmental consultancy company WSP uh, found across three sections of highway in the North Island where speed reductions were put in place, there was a 30% decrease in death and or serious injury. Mm, so what are your thoughts, uh, listeners, on these speed limit decreasings? It's becoming obvious the powers that be, including Waka Kotahi, just can't, just can't keep up with the roads, either initial construction or maintenance. So, you know, it's only getting worse. But let us know on the old Facebook. Just search Grinding Gears. I want a car, and yeah, maybe this week, sorry. Uh, yes, well... Um, after Mercedes beat on Elon for the autonomous driving trophy, Hyondo has beaten them on the range. And don't worry, uh, it's got an immobiliser. In fact, in fact, the uh, the new I can't I can never pronounce this one. The I- iconic ionic ionic ionic. That's how strange these cars are becoming. Um, yeah, in fact, the new iconic six EPA estimated range of 361 miles. Yeah, that makes it one of the longest range EVs on the market. Uh, let's compare it to the most range you can currently get out of a model Tesla Model 3. It's 256 miles. That's a couple shy of Ionic 6's new 361 mile rating, but there's a catch. The uh, Ionic 6 goes uh, its distance with just rear-wheel drive, compared to a 77.4 kilowatt battery pack. With the Model 3 achieves actually yeah, not, not far off that, but in all-wheel drive, and with an 82 kilowatt an hour battery. Yeah, according to the EPA's website, the Tesla Model 3 long-range uh, all-wheel drive is rated at 
131 MPGE combined and the Iconic 6 is now rated at 140 MPGEs. Uh, the in the SE rear wheel drive long range configuration, uh, it achieves a drag coefficient of 0.22 when it's US mirrors or 0.21 with the Korean market rear view cameras. Uh, the Tesla Model 3 is just a smidge off with the 0.23 drag coefficient. Well, it's all about the aerodynamics for efficiency. And so some of these cars that you do look a little bit weird. While impressive, the difference between the Ionic 6 and the Model 3's top range estimates is close enough to be, well, within a striking distance. And hell, even over the air update on Tesla's end, maybe tweak and boost performance a wee bit. If the automaker feels enough heat to, you know, stay competitive on Daver. Yeah, but the automakers may not have much to worry about. But Tesla has a clear advantage if it comes down to wanting all-wheel drive over rear-wheel drive for almost the same range. It will just depend on price, which, uh, yeah, uh, Hyundai has uh, yet to actually finalise. Yeah, I wonder how much discount you get on the government's grand carbon plans, you know, CERF, <laughs> yeah. mentioned before. But be aware, as our next story might chuck a spanner in the works. Yep, uh, firefighters still uh, aren't sure how quickly to defeat these electric vehicle fires. And Tesla models are in particularly come with their own set of problems. Yep, tens of thousands of gallons. That's how much water it takes to extinguish a single electric vehicle fire. And as uh, EVs are becoming more uh, popular on the roads, Possibly reaching uh, 50% of all new car sales by 2030, the government has it. Firefighters are still struggling to get proper training on how to quickly and effectively put up these incredibly intense fires. Yeah, Vox did a deep dive into electric vehicle fires. The publication focused on Teslas, but that's not really fair as all EVs have the fire problem. Uh, it took General Motors several tries to remedy a fire problem with the Chevy Volt. And at one point, instructing owners not to park their vehicles inside garages or near structures and only to charge their vehicles a certain amount. Yeah, I think we covered that story a while ago. And these are cars that haven't even been crashed. They just go up randomly. And when an EV goes up, it really goes, thanks to all that power stored in the battery. A statement from Vox says, The first moments of an EV fire might appear relatively calm with only smoke emanating from underneath the vehicle. But as thermal runaway takes hold, bright orange flames can quickly engulf an entire car. Yeah, and because electric vehicle batteries are packed with an incredible amount of stored energy, one of these fires can get as nearly as hot as 2,800 degrees Celsius. That's 2,800 degrees. Even when the fire appears to be over, latent heat, may still be spreading within the cells of the battery or creating a risk that the vehicle could um, ignite several days later. And uh, one firefighter compared the challenge to a trick birthday candle that reignites after um, basically blowing it out. Yeah. The fun of parties, but not so much for EV owners. No. And because these EV fires are different, EV firefighting presents new problems. Firefighters often try to suppress car fires by essentially suffocating them. 
You might use form extinguishers filled with substances like carbon dioxide that control the oxygen, or a fire blanket that's designed to smother it. Uh, yeah, but because electric vehicle fires aren't fueled by oxygen from the air, this approach doesn't actually work. Instead, firefighters have to use lots and lots of water to cool down the battery. And uh, this is uh, particularly complex when electrical uh, electric vehicle fires occur far away from a yeah, water hydrant, or if uh, a local fire department has a limited number of engines. And uh, salt water, which is rather good at conducting electricity, can actually make the situation even worse. Even when EV fires are eventually put out, yep, they can reignite. Last year, a Tesla Model S caught fire at a junkyard weeks after being involved in a crash. This is according to a report from Autoblog. Firefighters eventually pushed the whole thing into a water-filled pit to actually just dice the flames. Yeah, while Vox headlines may have unfairly targeted the Tesla, uh, some of the automakers' fire issues are self-inflicted via cool designs. Rather than a matter of physics, the electric door handles on Teslas, for instance, are subject to a lawsuit after a driver was trapped inside his yeah, burning Model S after a crash, and he actually died. And in May of last year, a Tesla driver had to kick out his window in order to escape his burning vehicle after the car died. He displayed an error message and then began smoking. As rude as reported, I think we did that story. Yeah, I think we did. Uh, but it doesn't help that Tesla, which sell more electric vehicles than any other uh, electric car company in the US, isn't exactly forthcoming in training materials and information for firefighters either. No. Well, firefighting representative, one Mr O'Connell, also explained what assistance Tesla could and could not provide. He offered some online training sessions but could not arrange in-person training because, well, he just had too many requests. Yeah, a diagram for the Model X implied that there was a magnesium in a part of the car that, yeah, didn't, in fact, uh, containing magnesium. Uh, there was no uh, extrication guide uh, for the company's Model Y car. The extrication is the firefighter's term for removing someone from a totaled vehicle. Yes, and definitely want that to happen. Yeah. It would be difficult to get a training, uh, even a training vehicle for the Austin firefighters to practice with, McConnell added, since Tesla is a built-to-order manufacturer. Most of Tesla's uh, scrap vehicles are recycled at the company's Fremont plant, though a car could become available if one of Tesla's engineering or fleet vehicles may be crashed. Yeah, yeah. McConnell's long email in the article reflects the current approach for fighting electric vehicle fires and the fact that fire departments across the country are still learning best practices. Now, uh, there isn't a consensus for the best approach. Some firefighters have considered using cranes with flaming EVs and giant tanks of water. Although some automakers would be naturally discouraged to merging the entire vehicle. Rosenbauer, a major fire engine and firefighting equipment manufacturer, has actually designed a new nozzle that pierces through the battery casing and squirts water directly onto the damaged cells. And again, despite some official automaker guides saying that a firefighter shouldn't try rupturing the battery. Yeah, another factor that needs to be considered, added by Alfie Green, the chief of training at the Detroit Fire Department, is that there are no there are new car models released every year 
and there is particular guidance on how to disconnect different cars. Something to keep in mind, uh, especially if you have a Tesla in the garage. <laughs> Boom. Well, song break now, but guess what? Coming up is the actual Tesla time. <laughs> There's something wrong with the world today I don't know what it is Something's wrong with our eyes We're seeing things in a different way And God knows it ain't His It sure ain't no surprise And Aaron. Right here on Grinding Gears, transmitting from Radio South to 96.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. And yes, it's Tesla time, and it appears the new semi spend more time receiving assistance than actually hauling goods. Yeah, Tesla finally delivered uh, the first electric semi trucks to its launching partner, PepsiCo. Uh, but the first reports uh, don't actually paint a bright picture of the truck's reliability. Although only 36 trucks were delivered, people have already seen several receiving assistance on the side of the road. The latest incident happening on the I-80 from Sacramento to San Francisco on February the 2nd. Mm. Although electric vehicles are slowly but surely entering the mainstream, many people still consider them unworthy to replace, you know, the real cars. With the launch of the first electric pickup trucks, the debate became more heated. This is especially true in the U.S. The market is only warming up to electric vehicles. Tesla thought the semi-launch would heat things up even more, but well, it wasn't the case. Yeah, sure. A professional truck driver from Europe offered his opinion about the truck, and it wasn't a favourable one. In his view, mm. Tesla missed out many aspects of truck driving's everyday life. While he had valid points, remember that he's a European truck driver. And things are very different on that side of the Atlantic. Definitely. Uh, actually, 
actually surprisingly North American truck drivers look more sympathetically than Tesla Sammy, even when reports showed that they malfunctioned well more often than expected. PepsiCo only received what, 36 trucks. We've already seen some of them uh, on the pretty much break down on the side of the road and need assistance. Yeah, reading the comments off YouTube and Facebook and all those sorts of places, we were surprised to see many professional truck drivers taking sides with Tesla and saying that all trucks break down from time to time. That's true, and moreover, they expected the semi to be worse because it's the first product from an experienced company, and that's fair enough. It seems like American truck drivers seem rather excited to drive a new Tesla semi, probably because of the price of diesel. Uh, yeah, um, we're not experts on how big rigs fare on reliability, but seeing so many Tesla semis on the side of the road is disturbing. After all, not many Tesla spend most of their lives in constant service, um, despite uh, allegedly build quality issues. Well, nevertheless, a new Tesla semi was seen stopped at the side of the road on good old I-80, wearing the Pepsi badge. They kind of worked out it was based in Sacramento and heading to San Francisco when it happened. When PepsiCo assigned a 100-mile or 161-kilometer jobs to Tesla semis operated from Pepsi production facility in Sacramento, and the trip to San Francisco was roughly about 90 miles or 145 kilometers. Yeah, according to the post on Reddit, uh, the truck was stopped uh, with the hood open while an orange fluid spilled all over the ground. A uh, service van was also parked nearby, probably trying to fix the problem. Uh, there aren't many uses for fluids on the Tesla semis, considering it uses pneumatics instead of hydraulics. This means it, um, mm. yeah, it's a pretty bad look. But it also it could mean that it's like washer fluid, but which is pretty unlikely to warrant an emergency stop. Or it could be um, battery coolant, or maybe a, a serious problem. Well, this incident again questions Tesla Semi's reliability. Uh, we do know that the Semi features a modified Model S play drivetrain, although the uses for the two EVs are yeah, rather different. They also promised the Semi would last a million miles. Yeah, well, we're still skeptical of that clean. <laughs> right now, other companies are awaiting feedback from PepsiCo. Um, yeah, the Semi's reliability should be the top concern. I suppose they'll be looking for those kind of worries too if I had a trucking company. Yeah. But as for us, well, yeah, it's, but it, it's <laughs> the end of the week for us. So our main concern, our main concern is that you all don't be a dick and make it quick. The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz.